Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is powered by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. Sign up free today at freshbooks.com slash twip and join over 5 million users running their businesses with ease. This week on TWIP, first impressions of Apple's new Photos app. Also, Canon announces two new 50 megapixel beasts. It's Monday, February 9th, 2015, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. We've got an all-star cast today lined up to discuss some of the cool things happening in the world of photography. We've got Miss Nicole Z and Nicole, Nicole S. Young. The, uh, of Nicole, you have like three names now, right? You got Nicole, <laughs> Nicole S. Young, Nicole Z., and then you got Brian's last name in there somewhere too. <laughs> I don't, you know, I didn't take his name when we got married because ah, it would it would, okay. it would confuse me. Got it. <laughs> so I was like, okay. I'll just stick with my other name. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with Nicolzi because that's that's uh, fine. I should just do a legal change. You just go to Nicolzi. Yeah, it's all yeah. good. All right. Well, cool. We also have Mr. Don Komarechka on the show. What's up, Don? Hey, Frederick. Oh, not too much. Just uh, always way too busy and so many things this time of the year. It's crazy. And uh, I've got a very interesting project that I'm working on uh, for the BBC. And I don't know if I can say too much about it, but I'm pretty excited. Mm, Okay. But you can tell us you're working on something exciting. Yes, exactly. I'm going to guess it has something to do with snowflakes. But I have no inside information. That would be a good guess. I'm going to guess photography. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to guess something British. There you go. There you go. All right. That other voice you heard is Mr. Joseph Lenaski, a.k.a. Photo Joseph. What's up, Joseph? Greetings, sir. Well, I've uh, taken a little detour to be on the show off of the Lumix Shoot Anything tour with yes. our boy Julio, who's hanging out in the other room. Yep. And, and you're, you're at lynda.com HQ right now, right? I am. I am. But you're like yes. doing three things. So you're on tour. <laughs> you're on tour with Julio. You're recording a Linda title and you're on TWIP right now. Well, we actually were here for, uh, for a test, for a little screen test for an upcoming series that I'm doing. Oh. And then uh, Julie and I were doing another test for a potential thing. So, okay. so well, well, look at all the secrecy, all these potential secrecy. things and BBC and uh, all this. Come on. What is yeah, it? It's all potential just in case it doesn't work out. Then we don't have to you know, say, but you said it was. <laughs> Got it. And you know I would, right? <laughs> All right, well, welcome. Also, hey, show just because I'm going to have to take off early, I want to get in my little shout out now. So the Lumix Shoot Anything tour that we're on right now, for anybody who is listening to this on Friday when the show actually comes out, we still have a couple stops in Portland and Seattle after that. Go to lumixlounge.com, look for the big picture of us, or just head to a bit.ly slash shoot anything, Lumix shoot anything, and cool. that'll take you right to the page. And we'll link to that too. Cool. Thank you, sir. All right. And hopefully Mr. Derek's story doesn't have anything secret that he wants to hide. (laughs) Tell us that he's working on, but he can't tell us what he's working on. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on, Derek? Oh, I'm doing great. 
thanks. Thanks for being on the show. We got good stuff here, huh? Yeah, we did. And thanks yeah. to both of you. So originally yeah. the show the show lineup was Nicole and uh Don and we're gonna we're gonna go through everything, which would have been awesome by itself. But you two agreed to join the show late in the game because Apple kind of pulled the curtain back on something, which we're going to talk about at the Yeah, time. we are going to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, little, that little thing that happened. That little, that little crazy little thing yeah. called, called photos we're going yeah. to talk about. Well, I just got back in town. I was in Cuba, and I can talk about that. So that was a, that was a blast. I was in Havana for two weeks. Oh, nice. Did yeah. you bring back any cigars? Oh, yeah. Nice. Legally now, right? <laughs> Legally. Yeah. Right, right, right before I left, literally right before I left, they, uh, they uh, changed, they made the rule change on cigars and rum. So, oh, wow. Did you bring yeah. back both? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, like, come on, man. Like, remind you, Derek, that I'll be seeing you a day tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, um, you know, so, you know, whenever, whenever you go to Cuba, you know, you leave a lot of stuff for people, right? Because, you know, they need medical supplies, all that. So you take a lot of stuff, but that's only half of it. The other half is you're making room for rum and cigars. So it's, it's really, it works both ways. It's, I it's, love it. It's a beautiful, I love it. beautiful You should cigar. just bring an empty suitcase and a credit card, you know? <laughs> you can't, you can't use any of that in Cuba though. You can't use credit card or oh. it's all cash. It's so all a cash. suitcase filled with cash. Is Thank you. Okay. And that's, that's yeah. literally that's literally yeah. what I had to do because I had <laughs> cash to to you know to pay people and all that. Yeah, so, yeah, you're carrying around far more cash than we're <laughs> uh, comfortable doing. Mm. All right. Well, let's. Uh, speaking of cash, I want to thank our first sponsor oh for this. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that was oh, oh my god! That was perfect. That was, like I could not have said that segue. <laughs> All right, our first sponsor for this episode of TWIP is our good friends over at FreshBooks. This episode of This Week in Photo is powered by FreshBooks. They're the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time and get paid faster. So, you know, I've said this on the show before and, you know, it's not easy running a small business like This Week in Photo. You know, over the time that we've been doing the show, it's grown from just being a little bit of a hobby into being a real business. And, you know, with great power comes great responsibility and with growth comes a lot of complexity. And I got to tell you, in the beginning, I was kind of a one-man band doing everything in terms of trying to stay on top of accounting and advertisers and, you know, on, the, on my photography business, billing clients and following up on them. And, you know, it just, it, it became more trouble than it was worth, you know, in a lot of ways. And it was, it, you know, part of me was like, you know what, I, I just want to go back to getting a regular job because this stuff is so hard, you know. And then I discovered FreshBooks. You know, it sounds like a commercial and this is a commercial, but it's true. Then I discovered FreshBooks and I put all my clients into the system, into their system, which took me no time at all, and started billing through them, started issuing invoices through the system, and it just basically took care of everything. You know, people that I would notoriously have to follow up with multiple times just to get them to pay, they made it simple. They would do handle the billing, they would handle the follow-up emails, whatever terms I'd set, they would adjust the invoice amount after the fact if they missed you know, the payment, you know, for example, if, you know, the, the, the fee increased by a certain percentage for late payments, they add that on there and bill it. 
And plus, on the receiving side, they made it easy for folks to pay me. You know, people can pay through PayPal, they can pay with their credit card or whatever. And it all looks, all the invoices look professional. They have my logo at the top of them and everything's all digital. Plus, there's an app and it just, everything just works. So, you know, it, it saved me a ton of time. You know, part of their, the FreshBooks tagline is save time and get paid faster, you know, with FreshBooks. And it did exactly that for me. You know, it was, it, it actually, if I was a track it, it resulted in me giving myself a gigantic raise of billings that I could actually use rather than follow up on, you know, aside from pulling out my hair, trying to, uh, trying to track down people. So with the system, you can create invoices online, you can capture and track expenses, you can do this on the go, you can do real-time business reporting with just a few simple clicks, and the coolest thing is you can try them for free. You can sign up today, just head over to freshbooks.com slash twip, that's again freshbooks.com slash twip, and you can join over 5 million users like me that are running their businesses online with ease. All right, guys, let's jump into story number one. So like we kind of hinted at a, a few minutes ago, Apple has finally pulled the wraps off, at least for the developers, the wraps off their new Photos app. And we've talked about this on the show when they first sort of killed Aperture and unexpectedly and Joseph, both of you guys, Derek and Joseph, came on to talk about what the ramifications of that might be and what this new mecha... And, you know, all seeing, all knowing photos app might be. So I wanna, let's just kick it off with Joseph, since you got to go soon. Let's kick it off with you. So the photos app, here's the pointed question to Joseph Lenaski, previously the aperture expert, now the photos expert, also known as photo Joseph. Does the photo photos app live up to your expectations after the demise of aperture? Unfortunately, yes. Oh, unfortunately. <laughs> Low expectations, huh? I know. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it is exactly what I expected it to be. Um, I mean, I you know, maybe had a little bit of inside info, but I did. It certainly was what I expected it to be. Um, that's a great app for a lot of users, but absolutely not for the professional market. Not yet. The party line has always been it's going to grow, it's going to grow. But, you know, looking at what it is right now, I have a hard time seeing this ever truly replacing Aperture. Really? Wow. So, okay. So if it, if it continues to sort of evolve, so this is going to be like a version one, obviously that we're going to see, and then, you know, it will mature up through version three, four, et cetera. At that maturity level, do you still think it won't be like, in other words, is it on a trajectory to eat the lunch of Lightroom and you know, the rest of the guys, or is it just completely gone consumer? Well, I think it's gone consumer, prosumer. Um, you know, it's, I think it's going to get most of the features that most of the people use, but when you look at things like tethering, advanced metadata control, ability to create custom metadata fields, these kind of things that are not useful to the vast majority of the people, but certainly are to some, mm. uh, I really don't think those things are gonna find their way into there. And I don't think that the extensions architecture will allow other third parties to add it, unlike adding things like uh, you know curves or fancy filters or whatever. Yeah. I just, I don't see that happening. Yeah, so you're, it, I'm feeling disappointment in the tone of your voice there. <laughs> Did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> I got that so you're disappointed. Huh? That's, that's disheartening. So a lot of people are just going to be like, okay, now what is it? Is this, is the photos app kind of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the marketing campaign for moving over to Lightroom now? 
<laughs> well, let's let's ask that question again at the end of this uh, of this segment. Let's uh, get other people's weighed in, and uh, and then we'll see see how that conversation turns. All right. Well, cool, Derek. You, so you have the ball. What do you think? Is uh, is I got a lukewarm kind of wah wah from Joseph. What do you what do you think? Well, I, I don't think uh, Joseph's going to go to photos, Joseph. I, I, I can guess that already. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Stick with photo, uh, You know, he's pretty spot on. Uh, what we're looking at is a iPhoto replacement. And so if you're an iPhoto user, you will be, you should be thrilled because this is a, a definite step up from uh, iPhoto. There's a lot of really cool features, and plus the code on, on iPhoto is so old and so crufty that uh, it really, the performance wasn't there. This, this app was uh, written from the ground up. Uh, it's speedy, it can handle large libraries, it's connected. Uh, you can uh, establish one a special library uh, in uh, your photos uh, environment that uh, is shared across uh, all OS 10 computers that you have iCloud access to and your iOS devices. And you can have other libraries too. You can, you can still have multiple libraries, but one of them will be your, your cloud library and you can dump as much in there as you have storage in uh, iCloud. In iCloud, not iCloud Drive, it's iCloud. Uh, in this case, they, they're not going to put it uh, in the drive, at least uh, not right now. So it's, you know, for iPhoto users, it's a bonanza, I think, and uh, they should be excited. Aperture users, quite frankly, even Apple is saying, you know, you need to think about what you're going to do. <laughs> they're like, Thank, thanks for waiting for this pro application to replace Aperture. Now go do something else. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, your Aperture library will, uh, you know, upgrade into Photos for sure. But as Joseph was pointing out, a lot of the features that I love, that he loves, and, and quite honestly, people within Apple that use Aperture love uh, just aren't going to be there. Mm. And uh, so you need to figure out, um, you know, what you're going to do. Now, we have time to do that. Uh, Aperture... You know, the raw updates, uh, you know, the way Apple handles raw updates, they're system-wide. So, you know, they have to keep doing the raw updates because they're going to support whatever, you know, their, their photo management apps are. And so as long as uh, Aperture is a system compatible, uh, it's usable, and it'll even continue to get the raw updates that they do. So, I mean, it's not like you have to do something tomorrow. I mean, Yosemite is a nice platform, and Aperture runs great on it. But at some point, uh, my, my suspicion is, and Apple won't comment on this part of it, uh, Aperture won't be supported in an OS. And so then you're forced with the situation of moving on uh, to something else, uh, Phase 1, Lightroom, uh, DxO 10, ProOptics 10, whatever it happens to be, yeah. uh, or taking a machine and just freezing it in time. And, uh, <laughs> you go literally doing the uh, the uh, you know, hand solo and carbonite thing with your photo yeah, library. You know this this machine <laughs> will get the latest version of Yosemite, and so it shall be. And uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, then you just uh, plug that into your Drobo, and you know, and just goes long and it runs. <laughs> so um, so I you know it, it's an interesting time, and and I think for hardcore Aperture users, it's a difficult time. I I think a lot of us thought that uh, photos would probably be a little bit more uh, transition friendly for Aperture users than it's turned out to be. Yeah. 
Nicole, Nicole, what about you? I'm not sure what you're using on the on the digital asset management side, but I'm sure you saw this release. Did you get excited when you saw <laughs> photos? No. <laughs> Everybody yeah, I, I starts use, with that. <laughs> I use Lightroom, so this doesn't affect me personally, but I do a lot of teaching, you know, so I'm sure I'll learn the program when it's out. Uh, so that way I'm at least educated on it, but it doesn't really surprise me. Uh, Apple is trying to appeal to the consumers because there are millions and millions and millions of consumers versus, you know, maybe a small percentage of those, all the people that use iOS and Mac computers are enthusiasts and professional photographers. And it just, you know, it doesn't scale. It doesn't make sense for them, like financially, probably, obviously I'm totally guessing on all this, but it doesn't make sense to create a high-end professional software program to compete that competes with what Adobe already has when they can create something that they know almost everyone of their users are probably going to use. And, yeah. you know, and, but then again, you know, if, if I kind of step back and look at this from a, a like a, I love photography and I want everyone to love photography, maybe this is going to be like a gateway drug <laughs> into post-processing for people who have only just taken pictures with their iPhone and just posted them straight to Facebook or their, whatever their social sharing of choices. Now they can use photos and do a few things. And then maybe they'll go, wow, this is cool. What else can I do? And then maybe, right. you know, maybe that'll kind of move them on to, to other things, but for professionals and enthusiasts, cause you know, I don't, I don't like to say professionals cause we're all enthusiasts and there are people yep. who use mm -hmm. professional tools and they're enthusiasts and they don't do it professionally. So pretty much everyone listening right now <laughs> is who I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, we will still continue to use, you know, the, the more, I guess, high end programs, the things that allow us more control over our photographs, uh, you know, and, and photos is just going to be another app. It's like iPhoto. It, it, the only time it ever opens up is when I, I accidentally open it or I plug in a card and I realize that I forgot to disable the don't open when, a, you yeah. know, when I plug a card. And I'm like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to see you. I don't care about you. And so the, it'll be interesting to see actually how it, what it's, what it is and how it works. But I'd, I'd I, like to jump on to something that Nicole said, actually, that I, I think is uh, important in that uh, the app, Photos app is designed in kind of this layered approach and, and so that you, if you're a novice, you can jump in and you can just use, let's say the image editing tools on a real basic level. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, but then you can open them up and then there's an intermediate level and then you can open them up again and you go down and instead of having uh, the program make all the choices for you, you actually have highlights and shadows and you have, you know, definition and all that you sort can of stuff. You drill down and have more control. You level. have more control. So it's actually, uh, that part of it's kind of neat in the sense that, you know, you could come into it as a novice and actually grow uh, with the application and actually learn how uh, those different tools work. So, and, and that part of it, I, I, you know, I think her point's a really good one. Yeah. Don Komareczka, I don't want to leave you out here. I know you're a Windows <laughs> user, so you probably don't care much about the Photos app, but you are one of the smartest people I know, and you read this. What did you think? Did you, were you like, ah, see, I told you so, Mac users. <laughs> no, no, but you know, I, I think that Apple has, has created a product that, uh, that hits the target audience of that product perfectly. I mean, it is it is guided right towards the, the everybody, the everyday photographer, anybody with a phone, 
and digital camera of any kind uh, that doesn't want to get into the, the very complex editing uh, workflows that would exist in more advanced uh, pieces of software. Yeah. And they just want to do it quickly and they want to get a, you know, a decent job for a very small amount of time and, and with pretty much no learning curve. It did have some interesting features. I was looking through some of the screenshots. It looked like it had a very good levels controller uh, to, to get in there and fine tune some of your white and black points and, and, uh, and some, some tonality. But like everybody's been saying, it is a far cry from what the next version of Aperture would have been. I don't think mm -hmm. Apple is going in that direction anymore uh, and they're focusing on something else. They're doing a very good job for what it is, but it isn't Aperture. Joseph, Joseph, uh, when we first talked about this, the promise and the excitement that I saw was like there was there was this talk of a plug-in based architecture whereby you could essentially replicate Lightroom inside. You guys remember this, right? You could replicate Lightroom <clears throat> with the Lightroom functionality inside of this mythical new Photos app that was coming based on you know Yosemite. So what happened to all that? Is that gone? Well, we don't really know yet, but the idea of what, what you're talking about for anyone who doesn't, didn't hear the earlier show or doesn't remember this, it's called extensions. It's the extension yeah. architecture. And the idea is that with photos, you have the ability or will have the ability to have other apps that plug in. It's not really, they're not plugins anymore. They're called extensions, but basically extend the capability of the app. The thing is that we don't know at this point what, what level that will be because the SDK is not out yet. I was talking to folks at MacFun who are really, really eager to take their apps and plug them in as extensions because all of their apps do things that Photos absolutely does not do. So that's perfect, right? They got a really advanced retouching tool. They've got an advanced black and white tool and a bunch of other stuff, and their apps are perfectly suited to this. But they don't even know to what level they can do it yet because they don't have the SDK. Yeah. And the, the idea, the kind of dream vision that we all had when this was first announced was that Aperture was the best asset management system that we had, way better than what's in Lightroom. And I've been playing with Lightroom, and there's no question, Aperture's asset management beats the snot out of what Lightroom's got. Yeah. Its image editing tools weren't so great compared, but the asset management was great. So if we translated that to photos and said, right, Apple's really good at asset management, let them do that part of it, and then let everybody else make all the image editing plugins, extensions, apps, whatever, then we'll all be happy. The thing is, now when we look at photos, its asset management, while obviously it could grow, is really basic right now. And in fact, one of the things I just wanted to read some of the um, bullet points from the yeah, reviewer's guide. So let me, I'm just gonna read this straight from here. It says some metadata, like star ratings, color labels, and flags, will automatically be transformed into keywords and searchable in the new Photos app. Translation, you do not have star ratings, color labels, or flags in Photos. How oh. any photographer who's doing more than just family stuff is supposed to sort through their work when they can't flag or rate or label their photos is beyond me. Now, obviously that can get added, but that's a really, really fundamental feature to be missing. Pretty basic, yeah. yeah. I would say for me, Lightroom is more, I mean, the organizational aspects of Lightroom are more important to me than the, the, the develop module uh, because I am always looking for my photos, organizing my photos, sorting my photos more than I'm actually processing them, it seems yeah. like. so. Yeah. I would die if I lost that, and I, I can't imagine not being able to use that like inside of photos. Well, especially well, for what, what you think Derek, about the, yeah. the whole idea. Sorry, Derek. What do you, Derek? So to you, why don't you take this? What do you think about the idea of? Um, and I'm I'm going to play sort of in defense of the uh, the the guys in Cupertino here with this app release because you guys are picking on them. So. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the other way around. I thought it was going to be a poor little company. You guys keep picking on them. Um, 
so you, I'm, I'm feeling deja vu from when Final Cut 10 was announced. <laughs> and it went from being this pro, all the pros loved it, to you iMovied Final Cut Pro. It's now a consumer app and all this. We're staying the same things here, right? Does that, and now Final Cut 10 is pretty dang good, right? And it, yeah. they basically added it back in, all those features that everybody was griping about. Could that be happening here too? So they're going to take the cruft for for consumerizing the app and then make it eventually something much more than it is today. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they're fine with taking you know the cruft. I mean, they they're always had a really thick skin that way. Yeah, but um, I think this is even a little bit different than that because Final Cut Ten really did has really evolved back pretty nicely it's a kind of a cool app now. i love it yeah yeah me too and uh and then you know what uh joseph was talking about where we thought there was going to be this open architecture i i think that i think part of that was implied and i think part of it, we were connecting dots we shouldn't have connected um yeah well, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree if it's coming but we just don't know the extent that it's coming well, right now, the official word is, you know, obviously, they never comment on, you know, future stuff. Right now, the, the, and, and what is going to be released, it will not be there. The only thing that, that will be in the official release is uh, shared open architecture where you can share stuff, but, but not the other stuff. So that's for the, that's going to be set for the actual release. Yeah. That's, that's what's being said right now, uh, as of today. Mm. I'd love to know where that, where you heard that. That's, that's information I really need. You can shoot that to me after the show, please. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, and you know, but everything is subject to change after that and who knows, it may even be subject to change before that, but th that is the official word as of today, which uh, you know, is a direct question that I asked because I had been talking about the open architecture. I thought it was going to be there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought it was just a matter of time as of right now. I need to stop talking about it. Yeah. So, so um, you know, that that really puts us in the position where I don't know if it's going to even go down the path of Final Cut 10, to answer your question. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say not likely, given yeah. that Final Cut Pro was billed as a pro product, even though <clears throat> most pros poo-pooed it and said this isn't a pro product right now. And I even said at the time that they shouldn't have called it Final Cut Pro. If they just called it Final Cut and left Final Cut Pro alone for a yeah. year or two yep. and then added the pronomicer when it was ready, it would have been fine. But this is not being billed as a pro app. It's being billed as a consumer app. Correct. So, yeah. Now, the good thing is they did leave Aperture alone. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> we, we can still use Aperture. So for yeah, now, so, for now, uh, you know, so there, there's definitely some some uh, positives here. But, so, uh, you know, I want to I want to, you know, another thing that this brings up is there's companies like what was the last one of the last trade shows? Uh, there's this company called Milio, whom I brought on the show and I interviewed them and whom I, th I think we're going to release that soon that interview with them. But their claim to fame was sounds very similar to what this photos app is going to do in terms of you having a library that's synchronized across all of your computers and your devices and you make a change on one and it ripples down to the other ones and simplification of all that. So Milio is doing that. Is this, is this basically, is Apple just, you know, appling Milio? I mean, what, what do you guys think? Don, you want to you want to jump in? Well, you know, I, I might not be the best one to answer this, but I, I think that Apple right now is, and, and uh, I think Derek uh, hit on a very interesting point too, where when he mentioned uh, Final Cut 10 and how you know it was promoted to professionals, but there was all sorts of things that the professionals were saying back, saying you know this is not 
This is not really for us. Uh, and, and I think that Apple is trying to, to hit a, a completely different market than they used to. And whether or not they're trying to mimic other software or other programs, they've got an audience. They know exactly what that audience needs. Um, and unfortunately now, it's no longer the professionals. They're leaving that to other people to, to fill in the gaps. Yeah, it's a business decision. They're making the right decision for Apple. There's no question about that. Right. It just leaves a lot of the pros with a bad taste in their mouth. And unfortunately, if, if Photos isn't going to replace Aperture, um, then you have no choice but to go somewhere else. And that's very, very unfortunate. Yeah. And, and I think what we're seeing, we're seeing everyone kind of go in the same direction, right? We have Adobe with their Creative Cloud. Uh, we have Mylio. We have Apple now that's going to be using iCloud. So, I mean, everyone is moving towards, you know, being able to use the cloud to, to manage, you know, your, your assets. Mm -hmm. And uh, in Apple's case, you can manage them in the cloud and you can also manage them on external drives, all that sort of stuff. So you, you have all those options. But I mean, that, I think that's a push that we're seeing overall, Frederick, you know, yeah. and, and it, again, for consumers, I think it's, it's pretty cool. But for guys like me and you and Joseph and Don and, and, and Nicole that shoot, you know, a whole bunch of raw files, <laughs> right? Right. You know, uh, you know that I, I'm not so sure that for us, and we are the minority. Granted, uh, you know, I I think something else has to come. Well, you know, I, I will say too, uh, Derek, to that point, though, I, I'll never use uh, Aperture or iPhoto or Photos for that matter. But the fact that Aperture is no longer being updated hurts Lightroom users because now there's no direct competition to it. There's yeah, nothing absolutely. really pushing things forward. Uh, there's no, nobody saying, oh, well, why can't we have this feature or that yeah. feature in Lightroom because it's over here. There's no incentive to really push the bar up. Especially if people, and I'm, I'm not a advocate or against the creative cloud but if people are continually paying the creative cloud then you know there's always that well is there how much of an incentive is there if they're already getting paid every month to increase you know i i i'm pretty sure i'm pretty certain that they're going to be making updates and you know hopefully improving lightroom um but that's a really good point because where else are people going to go if mm -hmm. if lightroom disappeared i you know i think most of us would just be like you know, maybe this is that time. It's kind of one of those like hinges where all of a sudden something else is going to come out. That's what I was thinking. It feels like there's a vacuum yeah. right now in the photo space where somebody could come in with something brilliant and just knock everyone's socks off and say, okay, we've taken the best of, of what all these other guys are doing and, and we've listened to you and here it is have at it, you know? Yeah. But I think to, to make that product, the one that really replaces what Aperture is or was, and let's say Lightroom's gone, what Lightroom was, that's gonna be a product that's very, very high-end, very pro for very niche market. Not many people are going to need it. And to have that kind of feature set in there, they're gonna to have to charge a lot of money for it. So we're gonna be back to the days of paying $1,000 for a piece of software because it's only a couple hundred or a couple thousand of us that are actually going to buy it. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, that's fine if that's what it takes to get the right software. And I think that's one of the things that people, a lot of companies may not understand. We as professionals, we're willing to pay for it. If it costs a thousand bucks to get software that does the job, I'll pay for it. You know, God knows I spend a lot of money on hardware and everything else that I do. Um, it's just an, a business expense. It's what it needs to be. But I need the features. So, so photographers look at, looking at this app, both of you guys, Nicole and Joe, so looking at this app, how does it fit into, and does photos, photos.app fit into your workflow? Like, will you use this? I think so. I, I think I absolutely will. Now, I know that I will. I mean, I use photos on my phone every day. Yeah. Right? It's, a, it's a wonderful system. It's beautiful. The, the way that it works is fantastic. It just doesn't have the features that I need as a working professional. But I want the photos in the cloud. I want access to my favorite photos on any device everywhere I go. I want to be able to make the books and calendars and all that other stuff. That's all neat. That's great and cool and I'll use it. 
but it's not, it cannot be my primary source of, for photos. So that means that I have to come up with a workflow where I'm using whatever other software and can somehow push stuff over to photos and have to come up with a workflow that's not going to make me pull my hair out. Yeah, that sounds like a Linda title in the making, right? There. <laughs> uh, I already have the contract for it. <laughs> Joseph, too late, man. <laughs> Derek was emailing as we were recording. Uh, yeah, uh, that, one, that one was done a long time ago. But uh, but to answer, I want to answer your question too. Yeah, go for it. Go ahead. I, I'm going to use photos. I mean, no doubt about it. I'm going to yeah. use. It. But uh, much uh, along the lines of what Joseph is saying is that it's not going to be my, my professional workflow, but I, I'm going to find a way, I don't know, using Automator or whatever, I'm going to find a way for those JPEGs that are, you know, output from my work and everything to flow into photos that, so that propagate across all my devices. Because how cool is that? And then being able to, like, on the iPad, touch something up and have it, you know, propagate over to my iPhone and back to my Mac and all that. You know, when you're showing off your stuff and doing sharing and all those kind of things that we do as lovers of photography, which we all are. I mean, you know, we're professionals, but, you know, we're also fans of photography. Yeah. That stuff's cool. And, and you know, I, I'm actually looking forward to doing that part of it. I just yeah. have this other problem to solve in the meantime. <laughs> it's that little small <laughs> that like, little thing, you know. pros what do we do? Yeah. Nicole, you were going to say something? I, I, it's, it's gone already. It's gone? <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Well, you know, in, in the defense of Milio, those guys, I'm sure that, you know, this was a, a shot across their bow or directly at their bow, you know. Um, but looking, I'm looking at their page right now. One of the things that occurred to me is the synchronizing or the, the sort of spreading all the changes in synchronicity across all of your devices is awesome. What Milio does that Apple doesn't do is synchronize other brands like yeah. windows and android and all that stuff so now you can have a you with mylio you can have a cloud with everything that you choose to use not just mac stuff and have it be in sync but if you're an if you're a uh, you know everything you have is in the mac ecosystem then it makes a lot of sense to use photos i think i don't know derek what about the the can you both of you guys derek and joseph you guys are the experts on this can you for the folks that are like okay you guys have been talking about how good it is. Take us just through the basics of what photos.app is. Like for me, I'm thinking I like the synchronizing thing, but do I need to set up rules so that my raw files don't get pushed over to my tablet? And, or if, can I just say this gallery goes to my iPhone and only at this resolution? Like what does it do for me? I'll just start and I'll let Joseph uh, go too. Uh, basically, you're going to choose one library that's the library that propagates. Okay. So you'll have, you know, your your special library, and that will go to all your devices uh, that are Yosemite or newer or uh, iOS or 8 or newer. And then however they go in is, you know, it, remember, this is iCloud. So it's iCloud is iCloud, right? So they, mm -hmm. they can come in from uh, different angles and you know everything's going to work together so you're not going to have kind of that stringent workflow that we were stuck with before you take a card put it in, you know what i mean mm -hmm. they can they can come in a lot of different doors then beyond that it's uh, i don't i i think it's it's kind of what you know um, the uh lack of of star ratings is just like a knife to my heart I mean, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah, so you know that you know that's a huge problem so that that right away forces me to think about it a little bit differently but uh you know beyond that then i think it'd be uh, more or less a normal environment um, yeah joseph what about you you want to take us through your your thoughts on just the basics of what this thing is sure so the best 
camera to be using with photos is going to be your iPhone because that's where you're going to get the, the most metadata that even though you can't see the metadata, but that's the most metadata that's going to be useful for searching, um, for organizing your photos and for a location tagging. So, you know, the iPhone obviously has got GPS, you got GPS enabled and all those photos show up in a location. And so you can see your photos on the map, which is just a super cool thing to be able to do. Um, you can sort by time, uh, by, by clear word searches, you can just start typing in things like Japan or Frederick and you've got faces in there. So you find the pictures of Frederick, you type in Japan, you find pictures taken in Japan and all of that is designed to be seamless. And the only phone, the only camera that makes it seamless is using an iPhone or at least a, you know, some other GPS enabled camera where you always, always have that metadata in there. But all of those pictures are everywhere, right? So you don't have, other than marking as favorites and setting up some albums, you don't have this, as Derek said, oh, I only want these photos to show up on the cloud or on my phone. They're just all there. Yeah. And the ability to kind of zoom in and out of hundreds of thousands of photos is, it's really cool. And it is mm -hmm. definitely a cool way to view your images. But again, it's, you know, it's not what the professionals need. But for the consumer, it's a great experience. You can easily scroll through tons and tons of photos and quickly find the ones that you want based off of things, you know, like clear language search, searching for the pictures taken at Disneyland, dad's birthday, that sort of thing. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. When I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Joseph. Uh, so I was just saying, then the editing tools. There's, uh, as I think Derek already explained, there's great editing tools where you start off with some very, um, very basic levels, and then you can dive deeper and deeper into them. And once we presumably get the extensions, although it sounds like there might be some changes to that I didn't know about, <laughs> that um, uh, we can open up the, the box even farther. But yeah. That's about it. Go ahead. Yeah. So all these photos that everyone's going to be syncing. I mean, if I could look in my photo on my phone and I probably have over a thousand photos just sitting there. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while, I push them all to my computer. and I delete them to clear up space on my phone. But if I'm using photos, do I have to pay for all of these photos to sit in the cloud somewhere? If I have, let's say I have 5,000 photos, you know, and 20 gigs of space or something. Well, yeah, 5,000 sure. is nothing, but, but you know 100,000, I mean. sure. Let's, let's, uh, say, let's say I decided to sync all my raw photos or something. Yeah. Like, how does, how does that work for people who do want to use it? It's the same yeah. iCloud structure as, as anything else. So you get, what, first uh, five gigs free, and then, you know, they have the pricing tiers uh, beyond that up to one, one TV. So, um, yeah, so in that case, it's just like a regular iCloud scenario. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Don, you know, your, your workflow here, you're the, you're our, our token windows user on the panel. Here, so, so tell us what, what's your workflow and, and, you know, because you're dealing with large images and, you know, and, and, uh, masses of images all the time. So what's, what's, what's the flow that a windows, a typical windows user might go through? Yes. Well, I mean, in my case, I'm, I'm not the typical Windows user, uh, but I, it, it's, typical hard, Windows user. <laughs> it's harder to say that there's a typical Windows user compared to a typical Mac user. It's a little bit more fractured and fragmented in the Windows side of things. Yeah. Um, but I might bring in a memory card that is like a 256 gig card that's completely full. And then I download that and then I go out and I shoot some more. There is a lot of images constantly running through. Now, not all of those raw files I necessarily need to have access to everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I might want to have access to uh, a core selection of uh, maybe images that I'm currently working on or um, finished works that I might need to sort of resize for different purposes or different clients. And so I can see there being a use, uh, you know, in, in the Apple side to have a, a separate um, uh, library or catalog, whatever their, uh, their terminology will be to have that. For me, it all goes into a folder on my computer that is then on to a Drobo 
that can then be accessed uh, by any computers in my household. But I don't necessarily need all of that stuff when I'm out and about. Like I, I'm all, like my home office is is really a, a central location, and most of the heavy lifting is done on a desktop computer. If I need anything that has to be sort of uh, remote, then I'll log into my desktop computer, and I'll even use my desktop computer remotely, and then that seems to work just fine because I don't need to have everything uh, in real time on every device uh, around the world with me. Yeah, yeah. Nicole, what about you? Your workflow. I mean, I know you're a Lightroom user, but what's the, what's the, like, take us through like a 30,000 foot view of Nicole out and about with her iPhone versus when you whip out the Canon. Sure. Well, with my iPhone, I obviously I take a lot of photos with my phone and any photo that I take with my phone, I actually have an, if this, then that setup. And nice. I wrote a blog post about this. I'm, I can give you the link if you want Yes. Uh, to where any, so then when my, when my phone connects to Dropbox or carousel, I think I have a carousel thing now. Um, mm -hmm. uh, if, when those connect, then it uploads all of my photos from my phone, all the ones that haven't been uploaded, to a folder in Dropbox. And then Lightroom, I have it set up so that Lightroom on my main computer will do an, what is it, an um, auto import straight to my Lightroom catalog. So all of my iPhone photos are backed up to my Lightroom catalog, which is on my Drobo. Oh, nice. Uh, so that's how my iPhone stuff, because I do pull a lot of my iPhone photos and I use them for articles or books or things like that. I do a lot of behind the scenes photos with my iPhone and things like that. Yep. Um, By the way, your your geek cred went up like 10 points because you use if this, then that. So it's a great, I, have I love it. This and that. It's so awesome. I use it. And here's a, just a little side note. Yeah. Um, when I post to Instagram. I have an if this and that recipe that will automatically pull the photo and post the photo onto my Twitter instead of just a link to Instagram. If that makes sense. Yeah, well, I, I got that. So, that is awesome. Yeah. So when you okay, if let's say you do the normal thing, you post a photo on Instagram and you sync it to Facebook, you sync it to Twitter, right? Yes. It goes to Twitter and it says, "Hey, this and this and that." And then there's a link. You have to click on the link to actually see the photo on Instagram. Yes. Of course, it's great when people go to your Instagram because then maybe they'll follow you, et cetera, et cetera. However. I like to see photos in my, in my Twitter feed. So mm -hmm. I set it up so that way, whenever I post a photo to Instagram, I don't connect it to Twitter. Instead, if this and that, we'll find that photo on Instagram and automatically post it to Twitter that's and pull killer. the photo and actually post the photo to Twitter. Okay. So. And, and that's, an if, yeah, that's, that's an if this, then that recipe that yeah, you Yeah, right? it is. And I have a blog post on that too. I <laughs> so need that blog post. I will send you oh, the blog great. post. It has a link to the recipe so you don't even have to set it up yourself. I so, need that. Okay. I for, oh, no. Oh, I was talking about, we were talking about my workflow. Yeah, Canon side. Yeah. So with Canon workflow, let's say I'm, I'm home and I do a food shoot. Um, I plug the card into my computer i import the photos <laughs> that's it <laughs> no there's, there's no cloud involved no or, i don't or, you know i mean i have a few i i use lightroom mobile for a few things uh it's not as integrated into my workflow as maybe it could be yeah. but um but it's there you know it has a couple portfolio folders and catalogs and whatnot or collections i'm sorry collections so yeah. Love it. Love it. All right, guys. Um, we've been diving into this. So I want to I thank our second sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends over at lynda.com. 
It's already February. So what are you waiting for? It's time to invest in yourself this year and start learning something new over at lynda.com with a free 10-day trial. Now, Lynda is used by millions of people around the world, and they have over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. And all of their courses are taught by experts, and new courses are added to the site every single week. So whether you want to set new financial goals, invest in a new hobby, find a new job, or improve upon your current job skills, lynda.com has something for everyone. And you can sign up for a free 10-day trial today by visiting lynda.com twip. And you'll get unlimited access to every course on lynda.com. You'll get access to view tutorials on tablets and iPhone and Android. Android mobile devices. Plus, you'll get access to those new courses that they add every week. And some of the videos that I personally recommend are Foundations of Photography, Exposure and Composition. Also, be sure to check out The Practicing Photographer. Also, The Traveling Photographer series with Mr. David Hobby, aka The Strobist. Once again, invest in yourself. Sign up today for a free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com twip. And you know what? Go ahead. I challenge you to learn something new in 2015. Once again, that's lynda.com slash twip. All right, let's continue this discussion. This is, this is huge. We had a bunch of other stuff in the show notes to talk about. But, uh, you know, this a, a, a big move like this by one of the most important tech companies on the planet only happens, you know, once a quarter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it happens a lot. But, you know, this is an important an important application. So I'm, I'm really thankful to have you guys on here to help hammer it to death. Um, so let's, let's end it with this, uh, or this particular side of it. When you're looking at this app, right, and we'll start from, we'll start with you, Derek, when you're looking at this app, people that are sitting there on the fence, and I, I'm asking this because I already know the answer to the question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Um, people are, are saying, you know what, okay, you know, I've waited, these are the aperture people, right? I've waited, I've waved the flag while Frederick was talking bad about Aperture for all these years, and I was still holding on. I was holding the forts and fighting off the people, and now this happens. What do those people do, Derek? What do you suggest they do? Uh, find a new app. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, we're in that boat people at Apple are in that boat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of folks in that boat and, you know, we, I think, uh, I thought that the, the, uh, the transition to photos would be better for Aperture users than this turned out. And, uh, you know, we were wrong, you know, we were, we were wrong on that. So, uh, you know, so now we got to look. Now we got to look around and figure out what to do. But, but you know, you have suggestions on where to go. Don't just tell them to go. Hey, you know, we know you're hungry. Go find some food. No, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm hearing a lot of good things about actually, and you know, in th this is cropping up a lot in discussions is phase one. You know, oh, a yeah. lot of folks are really, really uh, high on phase one. They said if you haven't looked at it in a long time, you really need to look at it because it's it's really uh, folks that have moved over to it are just seem to be very much in love with it. Mm -hmm. So I, I would say, you know, that that is one thing. If you're not a, a huge fan of Lightroom and you, you want to see something else, I, I would look at phase one also. It's there. Capture One is the name of their software, right? Yeah. Yeah. Capture One. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. We'll link to that as well. Joseph, Joseph, what about you? Like if you could give advice to the, uh, from putting on your old retired aperture expert hat, you know, and you want to tell the troops, you want to give that speech to the troops after they've lost the battle on, uh, wow. you know, you gave it your all. <laughs> but sometimes the overwhelming force of the enemy is just too much. So what, what do you say? <laughs> Well, I mean, at this point, it's, the answer to that question is exactly what Derek said. Unfortunately, uh, obviously, photos isn't going to be the answer, at least not now. And I don't predict, and doesn't sound like Derek does either, that it will be ready to replace Aperture by the time Aperture virtually expires, which, of course, is when Yosemite goes. Um, you know, we had been, there may, it may be that Aperture will get another refresher, a, a maintenance release, they call it, when Yosemite revs to whatever is next after Yosemite. Um, but given the state of things, I, I'd be beyond surprised if that actually happened. Yeah. So at this point, yeah, if you're a hardcore Aperture user, uh, it's time to, time to seriously think about moving on. And I don't have the answer yet to what that is, but uh, that answer has to come. Well, we're going to leave this topic, Joseph, and I know you got to take off in a second here. You want to, you have anything to tell us about uh, what's going to happen with apertureexpert.com? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to say that without, without being flippant. Um, I know, I know. You've, you've been so good, Frederick. You, really like, you have no idea of the internal battles I'm going through right now. <laughs> so, well, I think most, uh, most listeners know that, of course, Aperture Expert converted over to the photos expert back in whatever September, whenever it was, it was, you know, sometime last year. Um, and we still talked about aperture, but we started leaning to focus on photos with photos for iOS to talk about. And with the idea of talking about all the cool extensions that were going to be coming out for photos for iOS and eventually photos for OS 10. Yeah. Um, so far we've seen very few apps for photos for iOS, which has been disappointing. Very few that have plugged into the extensions capability. There's lots of great photography apps on iOS, hundreds, thousands of apps that are fantastic. Yeah, but yeah. the vast majority of them, very, very few of them are actually plugging into photos. Right. So that's disappointing. Sounds like we're not going to have that to talk about on photos for OS 10 either. And given the fact that we know now that Aperture users are not going to be able to, to migrate anytime soon, if at all, um, the site's going to change again. And it's unfortunate to have to make a change so quickly, but the site is going to take on a new name yet again. It is going to become photoapps.expert. Cool. And photoapps.expert is going to talk about photo apps. Those apps will be Aperture. Those apps will be Photos and Lightroom and Capture One and whatever else is out there that rocks this world. I love so, it. I love it. That's, and uh, something else you need to talk about too, right? Well, yeah, so that's exactly, we've been, you and I have been talking for a long time about a podcast that we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And the idea from the beginning was the podcast would be all around photo apps. Yeah. And this is now the perfect segue into that. So we will get that podcast started very soon. Yep. The podcast will be this week in photo apps and it will pair perfectly with the website. And it's going to be all about everything that you can do with your photos on software. It doesn't have to be just Mac or iOS, Android, Windows, whatever. If it's photos related, it's fair game. That's such awesome. a great idea. Yeah, it is, <laughs> right? People are always asking, what do I use? Do I use this? Do I use that? That's always the biggest question. People don't know. And this, that's like the perfect podcast for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And like with the, with the apps in the app store, I go in there every now and then. There's like, oh, another gazillion cool apps that I don't have time to try. You know? <laughs> and they are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really cool. 
There's yeah. some great software there. Yeah. yeah so, it's just, yeah. And that's the problem. It's great. And you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, it doesn't make a sound. So we need you to so, make the sound for these unheard trees, Joseph. Yeah, absolutely. So the site will be that sounding board. It will be a site dedicated to those. So anybody, any developers listening who've got apps running for any platform that are photo related, if it's for photography, I want to know about it. Reach out, talk to me. Awesome. Cool. All right, man. I know you got to run. We're going we're gonna to move on and talk about some new Canon cameras that sport 50 megapixels. You're welcome to stick around, Joseph, if you want to talk about <laughs> I am going to bow. I've got a drive in front of me. We've got another stop on the Lumix Shoot Anything tour tomorrow up in Palo Alto. We're going to drive partway tonight, get some sleep, get an early start tomorrow. And then uh, hopefully I'm going to see you in town. And uh, for those listeners, again, it's not too late. By the time this comes out, it still won't be too late. The show's still going on. You can come see us in Portland or Seattle or just check us out online. Every event we are broadcasting live. You can watch the whole thing live every time all the shows are pre that are recorded, that are broadcast live, recorded, and they're available as well. Go to LumixLounge.com. It's all there. Awesome. LumixLounge.com. Cool. There you go. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on and uh, drive safely. Thank you very much. Take care, everybody. Great seeing you all. All right. See you, Joseph. Take care. See you, Joseph. All right, let's jump on to story number two. And this is about Canon. As I said, Canon announcing two new 50 megapixel cameras. So Nikon kind of pushed the megapixel race forward with that 36 megapixel D800. And then, uh, you know, we heard some rumors that Canon was working on how to pack even more pixels onto that sensor. And it looks like they did. So two brand new 50 megapixel DSLRs, the 5DS and the 5DSR, officially became the world's highest resolution full-frame DSLRs. I'm going to read down some of the feature lists and we can talk about it. So 50, 50, it's even hard to say that, 50.6 megapixel sensor. You can switch it to a 1.3x 30 megapixel sensor or a 1.6x 19 megapixel um, crop factor. You can choose between um, aspect ratios of 1 to 1, 3, 2, 4, 3, and 16, 9, which is kind of cool. It's got dual digit 6 processors. The ISO range is from 100 to 6,400. And it's got things like, you know, that we've seen before, built-in intervalometer and bulb modes, of course. It's got dual card slots, 1 SD and 1 CF, so they're mixing, and redesigned mirror vibration control system and a new feature called arbitrary release time lag in mirror lock mode. <laughs> that has got to be the longest feature name ever. <laughs> um, and the R edition emits or the, uh, it takes the, uh, the low pass filter off for greater detail at the expense of more arrays. I don't know if any Canon cameras have had an intervalometer inside of the camera. No, this oh, is really? like, I think this is like yeah. one of the first ones. So yeah, that's yeah, I'm thinking Nikon. I'm thinking Nikon. Yeah, yeah. Nikon's had it forever for some reason. Yeah. Canon decided <laughs> to put it in their largest megapixel sensor. Oh, interesting. So pricing for these, it's not too bad for 50 megapixels. $36.99 for the 5DS and $38.99 for the 5DSR. So it seems like, Nicole, I want to have you start with this. Um, seems like these are like the perfect cameras for either studio photographers, you know, food shooters like yourself, mm -hmm. um, or landscape shooters that are intending on blowing things up to wall sized. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. My understanding of this camera is it's not a camera that is for everyone. It's not like, Hey, if you shoot the 5d Mark three, then this is your next upgrade. I don't think that's what the intention was. This camera from my understanding is for the photographer the let's let's say you've got a high-end portrait photographer and every so often they need a medium format camera mm -hmm. 
So instead of having to rent the camera or buy the camera if they can and have to use a completely different system, they can use this camera that is very low price comparatively uh, with all the lenses that they already have and get 50 megapixels with a familiar system. I mean, that's my understanding of what yeah. this camera is for. Yeah, yeah. I, I still, I, I, I use the 5D Mark III. Um, my husband has switched to Sony. He uses the whole mirrorless thing. I know a lot of people, I think the camera got a lot of like, oh, what's Canon doing with the new SLR? They're so behind the times. It's like, look, this is not made for people who want to shoot mirrorless or want to go that direction. This is made for studio photographers. Yeah. And I would, I, I don't plan on upgrading to this camera. Um, but I would gladly use this camera. I'm hoping yeah. to get one in my hands within the next couple months, you know, or whenever it's released to just that, try it out, you know, and write about it and at least be familiarized with it. So it's, you know, yeah, it's a lot of megapixels. I don't need 50 megapixels. I think that if I did every single thing I did with 50 megapixels, my, I would have to back up the Drobos, like, you know, yeah. a foot, you know, 10 feet high or something, because there's a lot of space. I, you know, the, the Mark three is like 20, 21, 23. I don't remember. Um, but you know that I didn't realize that it had the crop factor thing, and that is actually really cool. Yeah, I like the crop like factor too. I 1. think it's six at nineteen megapixels, yeah, yeah. zooming in. If you're a wildlife photographer yeah. and you do landscape, you know you're not like sacrificing really anything with that. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm just so happy that Canon that Canon is throwing a punch finally. You know, it's like they've been sitting there dormant while you know everyone else seems to be doing. Not everyone, but a lot of other manufacturers seem to be doing stuff and releasing cameras, making. You know, even Nikon, you know, with some of their crazy models that they dropped out, at least they're pushing stuff out, you know. Mm -hmm. This is... And then they're, then they're pulling it back in. Yeah, they pull it. Oops, <laughs> we didn't mean that. <laughs> the thing that we said, don't forget about that. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. Don, what about you? I mean, you shoot Canon as well. When you saw this, I mean, and you need, you're one of the people that need all those megapixels, right? Oh, I would love that many megapixels, but I'm not sure exactly how useful they would be. And to the point about the crop factor that you had just mentioned, uh, it would be great if you were shooting at a smaller crop. Basically, what it would be doing is just discarding the pixels at the edge of the sensor and not recording them. Yeah. Um, so wouldn't it be wonderful, and I, I didn't see this anywhere, that you would have a frame rate increase when you discard those extra pixels so that for that bird photographer, that needs more than five frames per second, maybe you could get eight or nine when you're shooting in that crop factor. And I don't think they've gotten that. Maybe that's a firmware update down the road. Um, but at that point, why not just take in the whole thing and then you can choose how to crop it creatively later if you already know you're going to be throwing away the edges, but maybe you want a bit more, uh, you know, for whatever purposes you have. For me, though, um, you know, I'm all, always about detail and fine detail and tiny detail. Uh, but when you have that many megapixels on a camera, you have to start worrying about uh, diffraction. And so when you're starting to shoot at a small aperture around yeah, that, that case, I'm going to guess maybe around F11 or smaller, then light's going to start bending off course and it's not going to hit the pixel that it should. And it's kind of technical, but you'll get a softness to the image that doesn't do the resolution justice. Um, so you have to understand how to get the most resolution out of a camera like this uh, in order for it to be valuable for you. Um, and for me, you know, I like to, to push limits. I like to do astrophotography and I've shot many things at uh, ISO uh, 6400, 12,800 and beyond uh, with a 1DX. It gets noisy, sure, but it can be done. On this camera, it can't be done. So there are a few limiting factors uh, that make it, again, like Nicole had said, it's very good for people in a portrait studio. It's very good for people with very specific uses. Um, but with some of the drawbacks, I, it's not a camera that I would also go out and buy. I'm very curious to see what they put into the next 1D uh, series 
camera body. And maybe that will have a good trade-off, a good mix of these two things, a higher resolution, but still the faster frame rate and, uh, and that the higher ISO settings. It's really interesting. I'm so glad that Canon has done this, finally. Finally, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, Nikon has had this out for ages and Canon has just been uh, being dragged through the mud with, uh, you know, with only 20 megapixels, but people have been wanting more. Um, it's interesting, though, that they've reduced the, uh, the frames per second and reduced the ISO, uh, even though they've added in a lot of extra features like the intervalometer and there's a few other things in there that I think uh, Canon had been missing. So it's, it's good to see whatever, whatever they're doing, I want more of it, uh, but I think this is a stepping stone to the next camera purchase that I buy. Yeah, and you know what, Don, you know, all that stuff that you said about diffraction and how that might lead to degraded image quality, that's exactly why you're hosting the Science of Photography show on the, <laughs> on the TWIP network. <laughs> and it hasn't come out yet, but you know, good things, good things are worth waiting for, right? That's right. It's got to <laughs> marinate, you know, it's got to marinate before you let it out. So. <laughs> you know, that's such a, so when I, I tested out, I actually bought the Fuji um, X-T1 and I was mm -hmm. playing with that and I run, ran into the issue of diffraction and learning that this camera is not good for me. Um, I was using it as a landscape camera and I was just, all my images felt mushy. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was really, and I hopes for the camera. Mm. And then I was like, yeah, this is, it was, that was the issue I was running into. And so it's, it's, yeah, learning the science. I mean, I, I'm sure you guys know more about the science <laughs> than I do, but um, it's really important to understand those things because you, it's, otherwise you're just like confused as why things don't I, I remember when right. I bought uh, the, the Canon super macro lens that they have and I was shooting at, you know, the five to one extreme magnification and dialing it into F16, thinking by standard logic that that's going to give me a greater depth of field. Every image that I had taken was blurry because mm -hmm. the effective aperture was F96 diffraction was just screwing with everything. Uh, and so I thought I had a bad copy of the lens. I was, you know, just about <laughs> to go to the camera store and return it yeah. until I did one more little bit of research and figured out, yeah, you know what? It, it, it's user error. And I hope that Canon doesn't have that kind of scenario where a lot of people are bad mouthing the camera because they don't think it's as sharp as it should be simply mm -hmm. because they're not using it right. Yeah. But you, you know, that's why I think the new Olympus camera is interesting that does the 40 megapixel high resolution shot because what they actually do is move the sensor a half a pixel in eight different directions. <laughs> yeah, Derek, yeah. I wanted to have you talk about that. So yeah. I want to hear what you think about this Canon first and then tell us about the, the new Olympus. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's funny. And again, you know, diffraction is one of the reasons. But uh, the Canon camera, you know, the thing that interests me, I, I like uh, the comments I've heard so far, I think it was really good. And the other thing is that Canon came right out and said, you know, this is not a video camera, you know, which is the first time we've heard that in a while, too, because, you know, I think still photographers are feeling like, God, you know, get off the video thing. You know, not all of us love video. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they said, you know, this is a camera for still photographers. It does shoot video, but it's not even uh, as far as the 5D Mark III in, in that area and that we want to design a camera for still shooters, so, you know, that that had some of these features that still f uh, shooters want. So I, I thought that was also kind of, you know, promising that, that I, I sort of feel like they're actually listening to their audience a little bit, which, you know, sometimes they're not so good at doing. Yeah. Well, why, you know, just to bounce it back, why, why would a photographer need, I mean, I know, you know, I feel like Nicole was saying you're shooting in the studio or you're doing landscape mm. or food, that kind of thing. Yeah. You want all those, you want as many megapixels as you get, as you can get, but that seems like that's a maybe kind of niche, you know, and those people, 
seems like they would move more towards a phase one back, you know, and, and use medium format rather than the smaller DSLR feel, or am I missing something? No, I think, I think Nicole kind of covered that nicely in that, you, you know, you have your lens set already mm. and for those off times when suddenly you did get a billboard assignment or you did get something, then, you know, then you don't have to change up your gear. You just, uh, you know, you got it right there. I, I would be curious, though. I, I'm curious about the whole crop factor thing and how that works. Because yeah. if it's as Don described, which I would suspect he's right about that, uh, then it's not as cool as, as I hoped it would be. <laughs> <laughs> you well, mean, it just makes just a smaller sensor. Yeah, just, you know, you're just using, as you said, less of a, you're not getting any other benefit out of it. You know, yeah. it seems like, as he was saying, if you're, if you're using less of a sensor, well, give us, you know, something else too, like increased frame rate or, you know, yeah. something. Yeah, you've got less less stuff to lift than yeah, yeah. somewhere else. Come on, you know. Um, so uh, I, I'd be curious to see how that all shakes out, and, and I don't have the details on that. Yeah. I think it's an interesting camera, though, and and I agree. I'm glad they did it, uh, in yeah. part because I felt like they they had to do something. I just felt like they had gotten too conservative. Yeah, and um, and it's it's interesting to me. It's a it's an interesting camera. I I would like to see what people do with it. Well, we'll get one in the hands of uh, Mr. Doug K. Yeah, there you all go. about the gear yeah. show and yeah. put him hammer on it and see what he yeah. comes up with. Now, what about this Olympus you're talking about? So, 40 megapixels from a, from a tiny sensor? How is that possible? From a micro four-thirds sensor. Right. So, it's smaller than APS-C, definitely smaller than a full frame. But bigger than one inch, right? Bigger than one inch, exactly. Yeah. And um, so, what... They, they're they're clever people as you know as we're seeing clever stuff from fuji and panasonic and all that you know there's a lot of smart folks out there playing around right now so they already have sensor-based image stabilization and they have five axis sensor so they have had to be working on this technology on you know precise sensor movements you know and that because that's the way they stabilize their cameras and i think someday one day someone's sitting around the the water cooler and going hey you know, we can use this for more than just image stabilization. I mean, we have this precise control over the sensor. And uh, so on the 40 megapixel thing, it's only for objects that aren't moving, right? You mm -hmm. know, uh, and the camera has to be on a tripod because it, it's recording eight shots in one second. Mm -hmm. And there are limitations. You can only go up to ISO 1600. You can't have an exposure longer than eight seconds. And you can't stop down any further to Don's point than F8, uh, you know, because they gotta <laughs> they gotta corral all these variables, right? Yeah. Yep. But what they do is on these eight shots, they move the sensor a half a pixel in different directions, and then it needs another two seconds, and it basically, for lack of a better term, stitches it all together into a 40 megapixel shot, either raw or JPEG, uh, you know, depending on what you want, or you can do raw plus JPEG. And it's just it kind of a like cool. a lot of engineering, Derek. Yeah. How long does the whole process take if you just, you know, for like, let's say a standard, like one two fiftieth of a second? Photo. Three seconds. Really? Three seconds. Oh. Yeah. Two seconds for processing, one second for the capture. Now, so, I think uh, Hasselblad came up with this technology first. They did. They, they did. had a 50 megapixel camera that you could do this same mojo yes. to get 200 out of it. Jeez. Exactly. Exactly. And so, uh, but, you know, that was on a Hasselblad, which, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 
yeah. I will say though that I, I'm not going to say to everybody, but uh, most people want more megapixels than they need. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know. It's a lust we all have for it. We end up not using nearly as much of it. But when you see those bigger numbers, it's a very alluring number uh, to you know. And and we vote with our wallets. There's a lot of people out there buying high megapixel cameras, and that feature will sell a ton of those cameras. Well, yeah. and, and to Nicole's point about the the Canon. Yeah, this is in an $1,100 camera body, the EM5 Mark II, $1,100, which, I mean, the high-end Rebel that they just announced is uh, $850. So, I mean, you know, this is in a $1,100 camera body that you already have uh, lenses for that in certain situations, uh, if, you know, landscape or in the studio, if you needed it, you could crank out a 40 megapixel. Land, landscape on a day when there's no wind or birds <laughs> or traffic or, any, or moving clouds. or anything. Well, I mean, it depends on what you want, Frederick. <laughs> I mean, you didn't say anything about it being sharp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that gives that cool sky, you know. Yeah, I don't know what I was saying. It sounds... I mean, it sounds brilliant, the engineering that went into that. And it sounds like, you know, those engineers over there probably see the world like the Matrix, right? It's yeah. Just, yeah. 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 Just zeros and one. The, have you seen the comparison shots? They're, they're I did. Compared against the D810, I think, right? Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, yeah. it's like holding its own. You go. Yeah. It's crazy. But then yeah. again, they were taking pictures of labels on bottles, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that very often. I'm just saying. You know, the labels on my bottles move. <laughs> yeah, after you consume what's in it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. See, we're back to the beginning of the show with the rum. And from yeah, here we go. There we go. That's been the whole show, my friend. Yeah, I know. I know. That's interesting. Again, so Doug K will have to hammer on that thing and let us know about it. It just, it just seems like a lot of engineering for that feature um, when you could go get a camera that's purpose-built to do that. And you wouldn't have to make concessions on you know, it's below 1600 and you have to shoot it at this and they put it on a tripod and all that. Just get a camera like this Canon that is designed to shoot, you know, high resolution images and you don't have to change the way you shoot to, you know, to get them. But, but to push back on that, the size of that camera is going to be much bigger than this camera that, Correct. you know, that you can yeah. just slide into your jacket pocket. And so people who like to shoot mirrorless, and that's all I shot in Cuba, mm. including for video, uh, I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, I, I had what I had there. You know, yeah. What did, what, did you, what did you bring with you to Cuba? Uh, OMD EM10. Oh, nice. The little one. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really, and, and how many lenses? Uh, I, I kept it to five. <laughs> <laughs> so basically you brought the same DSLR equivalent. They're, no, they're little lenses. <laughs> Just little lenses. Yes, they are little. They are little. Yeah, got a couple in each pocket and you go out and. Derek, yeah, five five lenses. I love it. Yeah. And then the cigars in the back pocket and a bottle of rum <laughs> under the arm. And, you know, I was happy. <laughs> I can see you staggering down a dimly lit Cuban street with your cigar, <laughs> dugging your, your rum and snapping a picture every, every block or so. <laughs> Doing the Rain Man thing, you know. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, we got to close this thing off. I want to do our, our listener Q&A and our picks uh, before we do that. So 
Listener Q&A is, uh, you know, obviously listeners write in with questions that they hope that the, the crew can answer. This one comes in from Mark Stowe. He says, can anyone help me understand the Canon TTL system? I've tried my best to make it work, but the only thing it seems to do consistently is underexpose my subject. My Nikon, on the other hand, does a great job. Would anyone be willing to shed some light on this? No. <laughs> ha ha, shed some light. Right, right. Sell your Canon, get another Nikon. I don't know. Because <laughs> you answered your own question, Mark. <laughs> uh, Nicole, what do you think? What's he doing wrong? Is his exposure compensation dial? Well, it's, it sounds like he. I told us I don't really use the Canon TTL stuff. I'm mostly using Pocket Wizards with a Alien B strobe if i'm if i'm using off camera system however i'm versed in you know how to use my camera um my guess is check the flash compensation mm -hmm. because you have exposure compensation you have your flash compensation they both work exactly the same but one is going to actually change the exposure of the photograph Mm -hmm. And, you know, the actual exposure of the image and the other one is going to change the brightness or the darkness of the flash. So that would be my guess based on the, you know, we don't have a lot of information here. Um, so, yeah, that's usually yeah. In that would be the first. Setting, that's yeah. like the that's like the tech support. Is your computer <laughs> on, sir? <Yeah. laughs> no, I mean, that's not everybody knows about that, you know, and it could be very well that he's using it, but he yeah. just, there's something else going on. So. Totally. That's bad. Check that. Check your flash compensation. Don, do you have anything to add to that, our scientist on the show? Well, I mean, Canon and Nikon, as far as their, uh, their, their fundamental technologies behind their through-the-lens metering, are, are basically the same. I'm sure that there are some fine points that are different, but uh, basically the camera is going to send out a pre-flash uh, that... Yeah, that when it comes back to the camera, it will, um, the camera knows how much light was put out and then how much light comes back. And then it uses that to figure out how much light is needed for the full exposure of the flash. Mm -hmm. That's why when you're using the flash in a manual mode, you actually don't see the flash when you look through the viewfinder, but you do when it's in ETTL or ITTL because you're seeing the pre-flash in the viewfinder. So both of them are functioning in a relatively similar way. Um, but again, like Nicole said, we don't know what he's photographing. If he's photographing something that's really bright white on the, on the Canon camera, well, then the, uh, the metering might choose to underexpose it. And if he's choosing to shoot something really dark on the Nikon camera, it might overexpose it, which yeah. might be to your liking. And so without knowing the subject matter and what the camera settings are and, and, and all the different bits and pieces, it's really hard to give advice. Um, but at the core, both of them will function in very similar ways. So it's got to be something to do with the camera or the subject. Love it. All right. And I just want to add one thing to that. Yeah, I, I go think for it. I think what Nicole was saying also is, you know, I would start also a flash exposure compensation, but also a lot of people try to shoot flash photography at like ISO 100. And, you, you know, I, and the other thing I would look at is just raise your ISO up a little bit. You know, if you got a high end camera, you can definitely shoot at ISO 400 or whatever. I don't know what he's shooting either, but uh, you know, take a little bit of the, the, the weight off the shoulders of the flash there, raise the ISO up and see if you get a little better results too. You know, another thing I just thought of is uh, to check your, his, whoever's uh, metering mode to see if you have spot meter turned on or evaluative or mm -hmm. whatever the words are for, you know, they all have different, mm -hmm. So check that to maybe see if your camera is just metering off of a single pinpoint in your frame versus, you know, trying to get the information from the entire scene that could make a difference too in the difference between the Nikon and the Canon cameras. Perfect. Well, hopefully you guys shed some light 
on Mark's oh, under <laughs> his underexposed question. Now we need a follow up. I want his question was underexposed. He didn't give us yeah. enough data, right? Yeah. I want to see what, what is actually going on. Yeah. Well, Mark, if you can give us more data, we'll answer it uh, with with better exposure. And and Mark, I want to add, we're, we're just being goofballs today. So Joseph <laughs> started it. I was wondering. We well, blame on him because he's not It's actually a really good question, Mark. It's it us. It <laughs> Mark still rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right, listeners, if you have a question you'd like us to uh, not answer on the show, be sure to visit our website. <laughs> hey, we did better than photo. usual on that one. <laughs> at thisweekinphoto.com and click on the submit a question link. And you can also leave us a voice message. All right, guys, we're going to jump into the picks of the week. We're at the end of the show here. This is where you can re recommend something to the TWIP audience. Derek, I'm going to let you go first. What's your pick of the week? I'm going to keep going with that EM5 Mark II. I oh, just you're in it, love with that thing. I just think it's a, a really good camera for those who like to shoot mirrorless. Takes Olympus, Panasonic, and third-party lenses. And uh, they really uh, have beefed up a lot of things on it. And it's, it looks great. If you like the retro look, I think it looks good, too. All right. And those those have, like, a heft to them, too, right? It's like Yeah, it's magnesium alloy and all that good stuff, yeah. And water, re uh, they're splash-proof and dust-proof and all that, you know, weather-resistant shock proof all that one of the coolest features on those olympuses and tell me if this one has that but my em5 <clears throat> i guess it's a mark one right so mm. my my regular quote em5 has the feature where you can see long exposures draw on the screen as yeah. it's doing the exposure oh yeah oh yeah yeah it has uh, also has the uh the uh, keystoning uh mm -hmm. correction uh that the em1 has so that you can actually move dials and straighten out the buildings while you're looking at them in the viewfinder uh it does tethering does a lot of pro stuff too it's it's a really good camera for 1100 bucks i like does it have a mic input it does and not only does it have a mic input but now if you get the little uh grip which you know those are the big hands want they put the headphone monitoring jack in the in the little grip so oh. you can have both mic input and headphone monitoring and uh -oh. it has a fully articulated screen now not oh. just <laughs> I think uh, Frederick's going to be buying a new camera. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. They put all the stuff I want in my cameras in that. They okay. did. They did. They actually, they're working off your list. I, I saw it. <laughs> and, the, the and my list is not that crazy. I'm like no. articulated screen, touch, right. uh, microphone input, headphone yeah. input. That's yeah. It. Well, that's what they're saying. They go, Why the hell haven't we done this before? I don't know. But, you know, thank, thank you, Frederick, for doing well, that. Well, thanks for, thank you, Olympus, yeah. for putting blood in the water. Maybe the other manufacturers <laughs> will get with it. Yeah. All right. Well, cool, Derek. Thanks for that. All right. Don Komarechka, what's your pick? Well, I, I do a lot of uh, photography outdoors and sometimes at night and oftentimes, you know, farting around in the dark with my camera, fumbling around or hearing strange noises off in the woods. Uh, I figured it would be good to invest in a decent flashlight to have handy. And so it's sort of tangentially related to photography, but I picked up this guy. It is the uh, SRT7 Revenger from Night Corp. And one of the benefits of this wow. is if you're doing astrophotography, it has a, a red mode so that you've got red lights so that you don't hurt your night vision. Yep. Uh, but it's really, really bright. Like if I put it on the wall behind me there, this is a very well lit room. And this, this flashlight is blindingly bright even in this room. So if you need a lot of light in, uh, in a very you know, small, compact place, uh, this is, and there's a lot of really high powered flashlights that are about this size, just sits right in your camera bag. Uh, takes rechargeable batteries and you can take a couple of those along as well. I think that it's just a, a, a no-brainer that every uh, nature photographer that's working after dark have a good flashlight with them, and there's one for you. 
Love it. Very Flashlights cool. are just so cool. Anyway. <laughs> hey, hey, Derek, tell me if you're old enough to remember this. Uh, do you remember when Radio Shack, whom is going defunct, by the way, yeah, you remember they used to give away flashlights? Oh, yeah. You could get oh, yeah. the little coupon and take yeah, it in, and they would give you a flashlight. I, I, I do remember that. And you know where I got hooked on flashlights? It was X-Files. Man, they had the coolest flashlights on X-Files. Uh, and they were always going, looking after creepy monsters and stuff. I may have to uh, re-experience X-Files on Hulu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Thank you for that, uh, that flashlight pick of the week. We'll link to that in the uh, show notes, Don. Thanks. All right, Nicole, what is – oh, I see your pick. That is I, awesome. I – okay, this, this – if you're watching the video, you're seeing my massive camera. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Y300. This thing is huge. It's really lightweight, so it's that not very – so I can stick this to the top right of my camera bag. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really take up much. It's not, like, very heavy. Um, yeah. But I took this with me on a trip. Uh, to Hawaii. I just got it recently. I got it from Photo Jojo, and I took uh, this is my stack of photos that I took. Yeah. Um, but I did this thing called I call them Nicolesigrams. <laughs> Hashtag Nicolesigram, uh, where I took a picture and then I did like a picture and a picture thing. Um, but it's it's very Polaroid esque. It, it it you know here let me like I could take a picture, but then it wouldn't develop by the time we're finished here. Um, but you know it it pops out the top here, so you know the photo like kind of pops out right here and then you take it off and you wait a couple minutes for it to develop. Um, it's a pretty big size, you know, it's not like the little skinny, tiny little ones that yeah. you can see with uh, some of the other Instax cameras, yep. which is why it appealed to me. Um, but it's like, I think like $130. Yeah. So it's, it's I not, actually bought it's not, one of those. Yeah, yeah. It's not cheap for like, you know, a fun camera, but it's really cool. And it's really great to actually have a print of something. And you are not going to be inconspicuous with that. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm considering taking, so I have, I also have like one of those little Polaroid versions where you can print the photo. Um, oh, like it's the, like a digital kind of print thing. Like this guy? Um, I'm gonna, I can't see. It's too bright. Oh, this is the Instax, the Fuji. Oh, the Instax, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's not SP1. a Fuji. It's an, I don't have it on me. It's in my office. It's, a, it's an actual Polaroid camera. I gave it to Brian as a gift. He never used it, so I was like, I'm taking this back. <laughs> but he lost the charger, so I haven't been able to use it, so I have a charger coming in the mail. But anyway, sorry, I'm kind of... Um, no, but you know, Nicole, you should tell me your Instagram feed right now, because it's been really cool lately. Yeah. Uh, I've been, thing I've been, been watching doing, that. Yeah. It's, go to, okay, so it's really hot. If you go to Instagram, my username is Nicole Zietz, N-I-C-O-L-E-S-Y. And yeah, that's kind of, it's like my new series that I've been playing with, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to try and carry this camera around when I'm local, especially. It's really easy to carry because I, I, what I do is I take the picture, you know, so let's say I, I took this picture of my husband who's standing up there on a rock and then I would hold the, you know, I'd hold the photo out with my hand. So it kind of looks like this when I'm taking the picture and I have a Canon 70, I tried to do it with my iPhone, but it's really difficult for me to like hold my giant iPhone six plus and, um, yeah, there we go. There it is. There we go. My giant iPhone six plus. So I ended up reverting to my, uh, 70 D which also has Wi-Fi, So I was actually able to, um, Wi-Fi it directly to my phone to share on instagram so i would just take a picture in a picture and that is fun. really cool they're really fun yeah. so are, are you doing it i thought you're doing a 365 on that are, are no it's not a 365 I, i've tried like years ago i tried yeah. a 365 and yeah. totally failed on that uh, <laughs> this is just like you got a, to like you got to like what 20 or so i don't i think i got a little further than that. Yeah. Um, but that was before iphone so it wasn't as easy back then uh but no, this is just like, you know, I try, if you look at the photos, I'm actually trying to line up the horizons. As much yeah, as it's really neat. 
it was like a, just a fun thing yeah. and um yeah i'm sure you'll see more if you follow my instagram feed um it won't be as i did like a whole bunch when i was in hawaii because we were, we were there to take pictures but i may take it with me to thailand in a in like next month and see if i can get some cool stuff there and if you'll, i'm sure you'll see waterfalls with the same series because <laughs> i live in portland um but yeah so anyways the, ca the camera it's really fun if you're into like kind of retro polaroid type stuff um it's you know I'd, I'd highly recommend it uh i love it i love yeah. it yeah. that's awesome and that that's a really novel way to like make it you know you're taking analog so you <laughs> went from digital back to analog and now you're making it digital again and yep. then sharing that through social that's, yep. <laughs> yeah that's it's like all sorts dang of cool pretty dang cool i love it cool all right and that how much was that nicole the the camera itself is i think like 130 and of course you have to buy the film and i don't recall how much the film is but it's like maybe one to two dollars a print so yeah. it's not cheap yeah you know? so, but it's really kind of a good it's kind of a good practice in photography if you've only photographed it digital because it really makes you think like one time brian picked up my camera he he turned it to himself and he took a picture i was like no <laughs> like, he's, he's a photographer so he knows better it's not like you know but you're, like, like, you're oh, wasting my film and at least if you're gonna do that and get better light you know so i was yeah. like very much like protective of my prints <laughs> so that's good that's the that's how it was in the old days right yeah. you know that's cool awesome so that's the fuji instax wide 300 love it Cool. And it's and you bought it um, through Amit Gupta's place over there, Photo Jojo. Photo Jojo. Of course. Yeah. That's I saw it. I was like a total impulse buy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Photo Jojo. Don't, if yeah. people listening and watching this, don't go to Photo Jojo. <laughs> you will unless you want to spend money. <laughs> unless you want to spend money and end up with cool stuff like that. Yeah. Don't go to Photo Jojo. They have some really cool stuff there. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. And if you have a photographer in your life, go to Photo Jojo and buy them something. Anything you buy from there, they will love it. Tell me. All right, guys, my pick of the week is our friends over at the Arcanum, um, Trey Ratcliffe's outfit over there at thearcanum.com just redesigned their site. So, and I thought they did a really good job of that. So I'm making, I'm doing a drive people over there to check that out. And that is my pick of the week for the end of the show. All right, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to thank our sponsors, lynda.com and freshbooks.com for helping us keep the lights on over here. Um, Joseph Lenaski, you can find him. Geez, where can you find Joseph? I'm not sure what his URL is going to be now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll link to it in the show notes for this episode, whatever URL Joseph decides on now that Apple has pulled the rug out from underneath him. You can just Google Photo Joseph and Google he, Photo Joseph, you'll find he'll, him. He'll show up. Yeah. 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 Don Komarechka, what about you? Where can people go to track you down? Well, you can see the constant stream of uh, wintry macro photography that I'm currently up to on uh, Facebook and Google Plus and all of those social media places, but they're all linked to uh, from my website at doncom.ca. So check that out and see what I'm up to. Very cool. Doncom.ca. Cool. And Mr. Derek Story, what do you got for us? Where can people go? Uh, Thedigitalstory.com. So Facebook, Instagram, Flickr, all the nibble photographer, all that. All roads, all roads leave. All roads go to Rome there. Yep. Yeah. What about, uh, how's the nimble photographer going? It's going great. It's going great. Still so I, I just love it. I mean, it's a, it's a fun project. Uh, and I love having a store. Uh, having a store is so cool. And yeah. like um, right now I'm doing uh, fine art cards of uh called the uh, cars of Cuba. You oh. know, and it's just like an impulse thing and you just do it and put it in the store and you know, and if people want it, they can get it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, That's it's, cool. I'm having a blast with it. Yeah. Love it. 
And Nicolzi, what about yeah. you? Where can people go to see some of this cool stuff you got going on? Well, if you go to nicolezy.com, it's nicolesy.com. Uh, you get, I'm linked to everywhere else is, is linked. Uh, my, my, my online store, I have one as well. Uh, my Instagram, Twitter, Google+, Facebook, everything. Everything's there. Yeah, love it. Your online store is very clean, by the way. I love oh, it. Oh, well, thank you. It is very representative of you. Your whole site is you. <laughs> when I look that's at your so site, I'm like, this is so Nicole. It's like. That's great. Yeah. That's great because, you know, that's. I am my brand and my brand is me. So that's always a great, that's good feedback. Thank you, Frederick. You're welcome. I feel like I'm visiting you. <laughs> so very cool. All right. And uh, if you want to check us out, obviously you can check us out at thisweekinphoto.com. And guys, you know what? It's time to take that lens cap. Wow. Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.